Hello, this is Devin, the host of Transcending Representation. This episode is part two of a two-part episode about transgender representation in reality TV, where my friend Matthew and I will be talking about RuPaul's Drag Race and the show There's Something About Miriam. Just a heads up, this is a massive spoiler warning for Drag Race. Also, this is a trigger warning, as we will be discussing transphobia in and outside of reality TV, and we will be touching upon the topic of trans murder and suicide very briefly towards the end. Throughout this episode, you might hear some infrequent sudden buzzes. This is because this podcast was recorded on my phone and I forgot to turn off vibrate. I tried to edit as much of it out, but some happened during one of us speaking, so sorry. Enjoy, and thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Alright, back in it. So, yeah, so... um. So I think the a good place to start would be um, season two with Sonique, um, yeah. because she was the first person on Drag Race to, uh, I guess, come out as trans, like, uh, while on the show, um, except her coming out was during the reunion, um, and it felt a little forced, like, in that moment. I remember watching it and being like, I don't know if they should be talking about this on TV. Like it just feel it just felt like too personal. Like for her to Wait, be. So I didn't see the season revealing. two reunion. Okay, yeah. So at the season two reunion, um, there's just a moment where they're talking to Sonique, and suddenly she gets like really worked up, and she starts crying, and she like runs off stage, um, and oh, they have wow. and they have Morgan McMichael's follow her, um, and they talk, and then RuPaul goes over, and talks to her, and then they they come back over. Or, like, while they're talking, it's, like, very muffled. Maybe they took their mics off or something. But you can hear, like, Sonique saying something about, like, I'm a woman. Like, I'm not just a drag queen or something. Um, <clears throat> and then they come back and they sit on the chairs. And RuPaul is like, so what's happening? Like, what, you know, very, like, armchair, like, psychologist uh-huh. RuPaul. Um, <laughs> you know? Um, and so she asks her, like, oh, what's going on? Blah, blah, And... Sonique, like, has to say, like, oh, yeah, you know, like, I realized through all of this that I'm a woman, I'm not a drag queen, um, I started transitioning, I'm taking hormones, I'm, you know, I have surgeries lined up and things like that, and, like, I just felt like it felt really forced, like, in that moment. Like, I'm glad if, if that's, like, you know, if she felt like she needed to come out on TV, like, I'm glad that she did, but... I, it in the moment it just felt like she went straight from like having a breakdown about it to like then they were like so what's going on with you like talk about it now uh, in detail like mm-hmm. um sort of exploiting exactly like, yeah it, it yeah. just felt like oh let's really make this like a juicy moment for the show uh, like let's let's make it happen so um then we get to season five um which is where we have the first uh trans queen who like comes out during the run of the the show, um, yeah. which is Monica Beverly Hills, icon, yes. legend, and star, icon, legend, and star, <laughs> yeah, um, never forget. Um, and so she, I remember this moment so well. Like it was episode two, and it's during the critiques, and she mm-hmm. did really poorly in the challenge, um, and she starts crying. Um, and she says, I've been holding in a secret and I'm, I'm not just a drag queen. I'm a transgender woman. Um, and like the response from the judges is very sincere. It's really good. Like 
they're very positive to her, and RuPaul literally says, the only thing we screen for is charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she and she seemed really supportive. She said, I love you, like, you know, we don't judge you at all, all this stuff. Um, and then if you go to the next episode, like, when they show all of the queens kind of congregating in the workroom um, before, you know, the real episode starts, like... Um, I remember, or no, I think it was in Untucked, uh, Jinx is saying, like, this is the last place where anyone would be judgmental about gender, like, obviously, uh, obviously feel free to, like, you know, express your gender and, and things like that, like, if you want to wear, like, girl clothes in the workroom, like, go for it, like, if you want to wear makeup in the workroom, like, no one will judge you, like, we're doing drag all the time, <laughs> like, yeah. no one here cares, um, so, and... RuPaul's statement, pretty interesting, <laughs> but yeah. we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> so uh, I'm grunting um, because I know what's coming. Yeah, so um, so despite like the judges being super supportive of Monica Beverly Hills um, coming out, she was eliminated the next episode, um, which partially could have been just like she wasn't as developed as they they needed her to be like for the competition like i remember she went episodes it was the the children's tv show yeah it was i think it was a pretty challenging episode for someone who didn't really have a lot of uh acting experience like Mm -hmm. you know so the cards were really stacked against her and she had been in the bottom the week before so it was kind of a pattern of showing like not you know not what they wanted to see from her um so i don't like yeah i don't think that she was eliminated because she came out or anything like i i think that it's more yeah. so about like her performance on the show um i mean she lip-synced against coco montrese yep which yeah anyone will die which, yeah no like it's coco montrese the only person who could defeat her detox like exactly. som- somehow i don't know yeah. um yeah. okay so season nine probably the most important <laughs> uh iteration we have of I love season a trans nine. person season nine is phenomenal um I love season nine. because it just like season nine is probably the season that tackles like the most issues like yep. of people's personal problems like you know we we'll get into peppermint in like a second but um you know it it had a lot of discussions of eating disorders i remember um it had you know, a lot of discussions about gender in, like, other countries and things like that. Like, Sasha Valor, like, you know, she's Russian, so, like, when she goes to Russia, like, she can't do, like, drag or anything like that. Like, she can't do anything, like, gender nonconforming, even though she, you know, (laughs) it's, like, her job. Um, And, yeah, so I just remember it as, like, yeah, it's a great season. (laughs) Do you so. want to see my cuckoo? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> also, Lady Gaga? Oh yeah, Lady Gaga know, was in the first episode, which was iconic. And like, she's that. talking about how like she like she does drag all the time, which I think is really important for people to mm-hmm. recognize. Like, you know, she's a cisgender woman who's talking about like, I do drag. And like, you know, you can't deny that Lady Gaga is a drag queen. Like, she yeah. does oh, drag. Okay. Like, she lives in drag. <laughs> like, yeah. um... And it's not, it's not just her, like, you know, that, that one time that she was, like, really masculine and wore, like, a fake beard and flattened her chest and things like that. Like, that's, that's not, you know, that's not the limitation of, like, what it is. It's, it's really just, like, you know, everything about her is drag. Like, yeah, it's, she's 
walking gendered art performance. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so Peppermint uh, is obviously the reason that we are talking about season nine. Um, so she came out as trans in the middle of the season. Um, and it was a few episodes in, um, and they really only talked about it one time. Um, and they really, it, it was like kind of like her moment in front of the mirror, um, and it came out kind of out of the blue, and then suddenly, like, they're done talking about it, okay, it's time to go to the runway, or something like that. Um, and when she came out, um, all of the queens in the room were like, oh my god, like, thank you so much for, like, you know, trusting me with this information, like, that's, you know, it's so awesome that you are, you know, able to be out and proud and things like that. I'm glad that you, like, she talked about, um, you know, how it's been a, obviously a journey for her to come to the conclusion that she is trans through doing, you know, years and years of drag and being at the top of her, um, you know, she's, like, considered, like, one of the best queens in New York or, like, in the world and yeah. things like that. So, you know, she's, she like, is. she's, like, a Broadway star, like, yeah, yeah. um, so... Yeah, so, like, you know, they, they were all super supportive. Like, I don't I don't think that on the show, like, the issue is ever the other drag queens. Like, mm. you know, they... I don't think that there's ever anyone who's, like, why are you, like, you? Like, I can't believe that yeah. you are, like, a woman. Like, that's kind of gross. Like, there's never I, anyone... Yeah, like, someone who's transphobic on the yeah, show. Yeah, no, there's... I don't think there's any any transphobic contestants. Um, Because, no. again, like, it's a show about drag. Like... What, what reason did they have to be, like, critical of gender expression? Like... Yeah. I mean, there are certainly, there are certainly contestants who are very much in the binary. Yeah. Very much, like... For sure. You know, thinking, ooh, like, um, boy drag, uh, you know, blah, 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 Why would you like, wear a beard like, on the runway? That's so weird. Yes. <laughs> thinking about season seven, like, yeah. there are... Even Jada Essence Hall, like... Uh, a lot of the queens that come from pageantry call don't say say that they're doing female, female impersonation. impersonation. Yeah, which is always a very clear line for me when they say that. Yeah, um, like I know I'm going to get a very specific kind of thing for you, and like you know, sure, there's an art to that too. But mm -hmm. like her, their main goal is to look passing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I like how we've like as, as seasons have come along, we've moved away from. And I always, I always say this to people who begin watching Drag Race, is like the first thing you'll think, the first thing that most, most, I mean, most cis people I introduce to Drag Race at least mm -hmm. are like, oh, I like her because she looks the most like a, a woman that I recognize. Yeah, exactly. Or most, most passing. Um, or like, oh, she's the most like, beautiful or something like yes, that. Yes, yes, like, yeah, exactly. Like the most beautiful equals the most cis passing. Yeah. Um, it's always interesting to me to like realize the real like the real spirit of drag is live performance mm -hmm. and that, and, and now is, um, the fashion aspect has become a part of it as well. And like, um, it, it, part of the excitement around like drag fashion today is the non cisness of it. Yeah. Oh, and definitely. The camp. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would say that some contestants like may not be transphobic, but may certainly be, you know, I don't know how to describe like they're like unwilling to break like the gendered binary like in their yeah. mind, you know. Yep. Yeah. They like can't see like the gray area or anything mm -hmm. like that. Um 
so yeah, Peppermint was notable um, on the show. Like her presence was really important because she was the first completely out trans person to be on Drag Race. Um, and I remember even watching her meet the queens, which is like you know the the interviews before yeah. they even go on the show, like um, where she's saying like I will be the winner. I will be the first trans winner of this show. Um, and she's, she openly said, like, I'm transgender, like, you know, and, and I just remember it being, like, a passing comment, like, it was just, like, man, that's just another thing about me, like, by the way, I'm also, like, a star, like, I'm also perfect, like, in every way, um, and, uh, but... Yeah, so, like... What might have happened with government... Sorry to interrupt. No, go ahead. What probably happened was, like, uh... She said, yes, I'm trans. Yes, I'm ready to do this show. And they realized, like, because I remember it's pretty late in the season. They realized, oh, the producers probably went to Peppermint and were like, oh, could you, like, talk about, like, being trans? Like, we don't leave it out. Probably, yeah. (laughs) I'm sure, like, the queens knew and were fine, and it wasn't even part of the dialogue. Mm -hmm. Because it didn't even matter. You know? Yeah. Um, Yeah, because, I mean, like, being such a fan of Drag Race, like, you know, both of us, like, I'm, we both know that, like, it is so produced. Like, it, it, like, they have, they hire people who write the story, like, before the show even is, like, put together, really. Like, they know, like, what the season's going to be about. Like, this is going to be the season of fashion. This season, we're gonna have these queens who don't like each other. Like, and even if it doesn't play out that way, they will edit it to make it look that way. And that's, like, you know, this is kind of off topic, but, like, you know, a good example of that is, like, the fake drama between, like, Ben Delacram and Darian Lake, like, in season yeah. six. Like, they, they've they said so many times that they never had any issues with each other, that they're really good friends, that they, like, totally got along. And, like, the show totally made it look like Darian was just so bitter all the time that Dela was doing well. Like... Same with Kennedy. Yeah. It, it really pit Kennedy against the younger fashion girls. Oh, definitely. Yeah, and Ginger um, as well. Yeah, yeah, which was I think detrimental to their winning. Yeah, oh I th- for sure. I, honestly, I think Ginger should Ginger should have won. Yeah, Ginger probably won. Probably. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I, what was I gonna say? Uh, okay, let me explain something to the to the listener. So, <laughs> imagine this: <laughs> like you wake up and you like begin filming for something as a contestant. They begin filming. I don't know, probably like nine, and they go into the wee hours of like I don't know if if they're like operating under equity rules or not but they probably like film until 12 Mm -hmm. like midnight Mm -hmm. imagine they take the full day you're exhausted yep and condense that into one hour yeah they basically get to take on top of the interviews that they get with queens Mm -hmm. they get to take all these random pieces and splice together whatever story they want yeah like when you're seeing fragments of you know a full day within the other hour um so they have a lot to edit it sounds like censorship in a way but, i mean they the queens agree to this they get yeah. in, in exchange for having their words edited they get huge exposure a chance to win money yeah probably probably returning to the show again yeah and like, it's like it's super life-changing for all of them yeah so it's and it's it's i mean it's iconic and <laughs> it's it's i mean it's, it's, it they get serious stuff i mean mm-hmm. people are fighting tooth and nail to be on the show yeah um but yeah, it's yeah. They in exchange for all those things, they 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 have to endure a lot. Yeah, uh, they definitely have like their words twisted like yeah. pretty frequently. Like you know, um, I know from 
hearing a lot of previous contestants talk about it that like even at the beginning before they've even like I think maybe it's like after they've met them like one day or something or they've been together like a week or something they just have them film a ton of confessionals like that are just that can just be used for like anything like it'll be them saying oh she's such a bitch oh my god i can't believe that like and like just things like that like saying that at all yeah they just they just have them like they have like all these clips of people's reactions to things so that they can just like put them in like throughout throughout the season um like i remember hearing about um uh, Alaska and Willem. I don't know if you listen to their podcast ever, um, yes. but yeah, they had an episode where they raised teacher, woohoo! <laughs> but um, but they had an episode where they had Fifi O'Hara come on and talk oh. about her beef with Willem during season four because they were you know butting heads a lot. Um, and, and they actually did. <laughs> yeah, like, um, but like, there's one confessional that Willem brings up when they are talking to Fifi, and Willem's like did you say this one thing about me where you said, like, I'm fucking disgusting or something? And Fifi was like, no, I didn't say that about anybody. <laughs> like, they literally, that was one of the things where, like, they asked me to say, like, a, a whole bunch of stuff. And because I was, like, 24 or whatever and young and it was my first time on TV, I was like, of course I'll just do whatever you want. Like, you know, like, this is my chance to be famous. Like, and I'm going to make drama because I know that's what will give me time on TV. And, like, she got a lot of time on TV because she made a lot of yeah. drama. Like, Yes, she did. So, all right. And she got a bunch of round two. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, okay, so back to Peppermint. <laughs> um, Why are y'all acting brand new? Who's behind Peppermint? Who's after Peppermint? <laughs> um, so... The thing about Peppermint being on the show, I think part of the reason that she was allowed to be there, because we'll talk about, you know, RuPaul in, in like, a hot second, um, but I think part of why she was allowed to be there was because she hadn't visibly, physically transitioned in any way. She hadn't, uh, she had really short, buzzed hair, um, she didn't have implants, she had not had like she wasn't talking about you know any surgery that she'd had or anything like that um but then when you look at the reunion and the finale she very obviously has breast implants which good for her like yeah. get that coin you know um and a lot she of looks so good at the finale. oh my god she looks so oh. but yeah. um she she wasn't like out to the other queens when she came on the show um and obviously did have to like come out to them and everything and they used that on tv and all of that um and peppermint is you know obviously regarded as like legend icon star like un yeah. like untouchable like no one comes for peppermint like she did that we are awaiting the day her return on all like oh my god she would kill everybody <laughs> all star six um, peppermint <laughs> please um yeah. but yeah so she like i would definitely consider her a fan favorite i think most yeah. people would consider her a fan favorite i agree um and she placed as runner-up she came in second um Ooh. to sasha velour uh who we previously discussed who is also like um an artist who really talks a lot about like gender nonconformity and like what drag can be because she is a bald queen you know <laughs> um yeah and so things like that but um you specifically know specifically make space 
Yeah. Uh, for n- not just, you know, cis men yeah. in drag. Absolutely. But lots of different kinds of drag. And has yeah. spoken against RuPaul. Yeah. <laughs> what you're about to say. <laughs> um, reason number 58 million thousand why I love Sasha <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, at the reunion, um, it was clear that Peppermint had gotten implants, and at the finale, um, she wore, like, a lot of low-cut, you know, kind of dresses or costumes that really showed them off, and, um, some people have speculated that this is part of the reason that she ended up not winning the season, um, Mm. even though, I mean, like, to me, watching, I mean... I don't know. There's a lot of like it's it's kind of a complicated thing because the finale for the finale format for that season was the lip sync for the crown format. Yeah. Um so it really came down to the performance, I think. Um which was really disturbing to a lot of people because I think a lot of people going into the finale were like, "Oh, this should be a queen a clean a clean sweep for Shaykulay." Um, it's obviously her season. She's won four challenges. The only person who's ever done that before is Sharon, who won. Yeah. Like, um, and the other people, like, Peppermint had won one challenge, and Sasha had won two. Um, so it wasn't even close. Like, Shay clearly was doing that. Um, but because of the new- And her verse. Oh my god. (laughs) Look at all the edges I snatched today. Like, um, but, uh, yeah, so- Sasha obviously, like, pulled out all the stops, and, like, I I don't discredit her win, like, even slightly, because obviously, like, she prepared so much for, you know, the lip syncs that she performed in, um, and she was obviously, like, the person to watch, like, (laughs) during both of them. Um, she won that, like, that day she won the show. Oh my god, yeah. Like, yeah. she won 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 after she did So Emotional. Like, that was the winning lip sync, (laughs) Yeah, like, like nothing could have topped that yeah. but so a lot of people but also like and sasha had never been in the bottom unless it's true get, like sasha had never had to lip sync it's true no one had ever seen her do you know all that sasha. <laughs> she was only in the top yeah yeah really makes you think so <laughs> yeah. she um, was in the bottom i think a couple times she was i know she lip synced once but yeah yeah okay so um uh, so yeah, some people think that, um, Peppermint, like, basically gave up her chances of winning once she started to physically transition, um, mm. and I think it makes a lot of sense if, to consider that when you consider RuPaul's stance, which is now we're going to talk about RuPaul, yeah. so the grand high bitch herself, um, <laughs> the fracker herself oh my god so that's a, that's one thing but oh um my god. Just so basically all of the issues kind of start with rupaul um i guess it, it probably goes back further than this but i think a good place to start is in 2018 it was about a year after season nine had finished airing um rupaul was interviewed by the guardian um, and this is known as the the infamous Guardian interview now. Um, yeah. And this is the actual quote from the Guardian. He said he would probably not let a trans woman on the program, RuPaul's Drag Race, adding, you can identify as a woman and say you're transitioning, but it changes once you start changing your body. Um, and he likened transitioning medically and competing on Drag Race to taking steroids and completing, competing in the Olympics um, because it gives you you know, advantages, I guess. I don't know. But 
here's the tea. Here's the gag. There's been so many people who have competed and won and done so well after having intense and extreme plastic surgery. Like, and that's not impacted any of their careers. Like, for RuPaul, you know, like, even someone like Detox, like, Detox has so much plastic surgery. Like, literally every single thing about her is, like, has had plastic surgery like done on her like her biceps or plastic surgery like her no or she hasn't done her nose and her big toe she said that's like the only thing um but she literally has breast implants that make it look like she has boobs when she pushes her chest together in drag and that was never an issue because she's a cis man so (laughs) um yeah and peppermint was literally directly referenced in the interview um as, like, you know, an example of a trans person that they would let on the show because she, you know, wasn't trying to pass as a woman, like, in her confessional looks or in the workroom or anything like that. Um, And so, yeah, pretty not great, (laughs) all of that. Um, Do you have anything to say about the... And, Guardian interview. Yeah, I mean, for scope, everybody. So, for perspective, I mean, the show has been operating in a in a position since this com this interview. In like, the people who aren't RuPaul have Wait, basically begun to yeah have basically begun to like uh, clean up this mess since. Um, and I I think what this interview shows, and what happened when when RuPaul gave this interview was a, oh, we should not forget that RuPaul is old. Yeah. And a boomer. RuPaul is <laughs> ignorant and un- uneducated. Yeah. About this, this topic. Yep. Um, and that so much of the show is operates within a binary. Yeah. Um, and has up to now, I think I watched the past seasons. I was watching season five yesterday and the entire series, twelve years of it, is given a new a new lens, because uh, RuPaul has incredibly transphobic music that's featured in the show. Yep, a lot of the critiques given from Michelle and RuPaul are, despite guest judges saying otherwise, are about the hourglass figure yep. about looking passing like a cis woman oh your padding is weird um, like <laughs> the padding yes the the makeup yeah like your hair is weird lighter. your this outfit isn't flattering to you like things yes, like that because yeah. yeah so uh i think this has kind of i mean this moment was sort of it tainted the i think the legacy of the show in my opinion yeah definitely um so many and i think frankly it occurred to me that like no wonder Monica Beverly Hills broke down in during season five. Like, the binary, like, either you're a... So much of the show is based on, like, you're a boy or you're a girl. Yeah. And um, she was confronted with that immediately, mm-hmm. you know? Like, having to... I think one of the many challenges, the episode where she broke down on the runway, was having to lip sync to one of RuPaul's transphobic songs. Yep, yep. Like... That literally, like, you remember, like, they were behind the cardboard. Yep, I totally do remember. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, Serena Chacha, one of her, like, first critiques, I mean, Serena Chacha's a mess, but, like, (laughs) Serena Chacha was told, like, you look like a boy in this outfit, you know? Like, 
to see people penalized for that kind of thing. Yeah. I, I think now that's kind of changed. Aquaria, has, you know, was a winner who almost never padded. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we've seen a lot of people doing more diverse body shapes um, yeah. and things like um, that, which is which I think is really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but now it going forward, I think... The, the drag race has sort of, in order for it to continue and for it not to get canceled, <laughs> um, because it's such a moneymaker, mm-hmm. um, I think the producers have really pulled some control away from RuPaul. Yeah. Um, and in the seasons after season, I don't know about season 10 exactly, because I'm sure RuPaul like, gave the interview while 10 was filming or mm-hmm. rapping. I'm yeah. not totally sure. Um, in 11 and 12 and All-Stars 4, there's been a lot of sort of it seems like RuPaul isn't entirely in control of the show anymore, which is frankly a good thing. Yeah, I think um, that's a great direction for the show to move in. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Like, and after this interview, I mean, we haven't even talked about, like, the sub the, the substance of the interview and how, like, rancid those beliefs are. That, yeah. Like, you can't be a powerful drag performer and that drag isn't for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I think the the short term the short I don't know how to uh, the the shorthand I say <laughs> nowadays is that uh, in conversation with people about drag race, especially within the queer community, I say I love drag race. I don't love RuPaul. Exactly. That's like I always feel like I immediately have to defend that part of the show. Like yeah, I I would never defend RuPaul. I I have no love for RuPaul. Like no. I don't care for her. I don't want to support her. Um, and I know that by watching Drag Race, I am inadvertently supporting her, but she's not the reason that I watch the show, you know? I watch the show because I am invested in the contestants, I'm invested in drag, um, and I really like to see, you know, this microcosm of queer culture, um, you know, on TV, and it's really entertaining, like, it's a really fun show to watch, and, um, you know, so, so it's really hard for people to, you know who don't watch the show and they and this is like the idea of it that they have that like oh RuPaul just like hates trans people like Mm. you know and like that may be true but um it doesn't I you know I I do think that it does really um detract from the show but it it doesn't for me it doesn't make it like unwatchable if that makes sense um yeah because they've sort of taken the 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 control out of RuPaul's mm -hmm. hands now yeah for sure it's almost like I mean previously it's almost like you see the queens uh, in, like, season five, for example. I just watched the first three episodes yes, last night. And, like, you, the queens, like, idolize RuPaul. And the queens yeah. want to be, they want to leave and they want to be RuPaul. RuPaul is the golden standard of drag. Yep, definitely. And, like, like because she is, she looks like a woman. And mm-hmm. because she's tall and because she's glitzy. And, like, now that winners have won who reject the principles that RuPaul's drag is based off of. Yeah. Um, it's almost like RuPaul is the, like, the usher of the show. Like, just, like, introduces the challenges and then says goodbye. Yeah. And, like, I notice there's a lot less advice from RuPaul in the yep, workroom. Absolutely. There's a lot less influence. Like, RuPaul's just, like, honestly, it now is, is the warden of the show. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, telling people what the rules are. Yeah. Um, which is kind of, like, a good move yeah. for VH1. I mean, even on the main stage when they get their critiques you seldom ever hear from RuPaul 
unless yeah. it's something that really, really stands out or some like in a really positive or negative way. Like, you know, something like uh, something that comes to mind for me is like during season four when they had the political challenge um, and yeah. Fifi O'Hara said the thing about the help. Um, and RuPaul directly said, like, oh, do you need the help to help you or whatever? Um, and, like, I remember being like, RuPaul responded to that? Like, that's crazy. Like, it must have been, like, a huge moment for RuPaul to say something. Like, especially about racism. <laughs> but whatever. Um, yeah, so I think it's important to know that, like, many queens, because of the way that the show, like, responds to transness, um, they've had to closet themselves in order to even go on the show. Um, a notable example would be season four contestant Jiggly Caliente, who icon, legend, and star, like, yet again. <laughs> like, yeah. um, And she, uh, in her goodbye message that she wrote on the mirror after she had been eliminated, um, she wrote, like, now I can go get boobs, finally. Or something <laughs> like um in yeah. the whole the whole season she's like talking about like oh i really want boobs and things like that <laughs> like um and and then like once she left the show she came out and was able to you know live fully as a trans woman um and transition and everything and now she's she's been on pose um and so yeah i mean yeah, like, the show really hinders people from being able to, you know, think about or, like, contemplate gender, which is, like, really challenging <laughs> for, like, a trans person who has a lot of, like, inner conflict about it, especially when you're in a situation surrounded by, like, people who are constantly, like, you know, talking about gender and talking about, you know, being a woman and looking like a woman and stuff like that. Um, and so another notable person to, <clears throat> to discuss from Drag Race is Carmen. What, what? What? Say her name. Carmen Carrera. <laughs> oh, damn it. No. Gia Gunn. Oh, Gia Gunn's next. Say her name. Um, yeah. I think Carmen is probably one of the most famous, um, trans woman contestants that they've had on the show um again she came out after i think it was like well after the show had aired um and she was on season three um which again a great season um yeah but yeah so i think carmen is really interesting because she is one of the people who has been the most outspoken against rupaul um like after the show, she went on to really criticize RuPaul's, you know, transphobic music. And I think a lot of the reason that they don't use it anymore is because they saw that, like, Carmen, this super famous, like, trans model who... She was the person I was referencing before, like, way, like, an hour ago when we were talking about Top Model. Um, she probably is the most famous, like, trans model from, like, reality TV, I guess. Um, because pe I think people outside of the drag race fandom like know of her at least like at least some people do um but i think like she was super outspoken about um you know the male message from rupaul i think that was one of the main things that that's one of the main things that a lot of people point to when they say like 
there is transphobia on Drag Race. And, like, yeah. So, like, in the first six seasons, I think it was, they had, you know, this really transphobic message that would play literally every episode at the top of the episode. Um, And, you know, uh, I won't say (laughs) what was said because it's really offensive. Um, But it was said every single time um, for six seasons. And then finally they removed it after Carmen said something and was like, why are you still doing this? Like, how do you think this is okay? Like, you know, um, and I think in season seven, it got replaced with she done already done had hers is. Um, Yeah. Like, why not? Um, uh, And I think like probably the worst point of like, the one moment that I really can point to and be like, wow, this was the worst moment for Drag Race and transphobia um, was the season six mini challenge where they had to, they were shown like images of a really zoomed in body part of someone and they had to decide if it was um, a woman or a drag queen. But the name of the mini challenge included the same offensive term used in the mail message um and so it you know like and it was just like really not good like you know they're they're literally asking people to say like is this basically they were asking like is this a woman or is this a man pretending to be a woman um Mm. which not great and then they like use the term in conjunction with that connotation which like is a transphobic term and so like they were basically saying like you know trans women are men pretending to be women which is like it's so gross and that part of that episode was actually removed from um like i think if you go to watch it now on like hulu hulu or amazon or wherever you can watch it um they still keep it in but I have seen an, a version of the episode where they omit it and they take it out. Um, like, the whole challenge. <laughs> because it, it has no right to be in the show. Like, why would they do that? <laughs> um, yeah, so, okay, now we can talk about Gia. Gia! Gia, my pet. So, Gia Gunn, super iconic. She appeared first on season six. Um, And at the time, she was not out as a trans woman, but between that time and when she appeared on All Stars 4, she had transitioned, she had this long luscious hair, she had, you know, she, she had had a bunch of surgery done on her face, Um, you know, she had, she had transitioned, like, she was taking hormones and things like that, like, you know, so, living as a woman, I guess you could say, um, and so she, um, it was, it was interesting for her to be on the show because this happened after the Guardian interview when RuPaul said, like, I'm not going to let trans people compete on the show. Um, and then she got to compete on the show as a trans person, like, yeah. which was pretty amazing to me. Um, and I thought it was really great that they had her back because she's one of my favorite queens. <laughs> like, I think, I think she's awesome. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, on the, when she came back for All Stars 4, um, 
she did not do the best. She was safe for the first two episodes, and then she was in the bottom three in the third episode, which is, like, one of the, like, she, it was the Snatch Game episode, and she did, like, one of the worst Snatch Games, like, I've ever seen, ever, which, like. She should have been in the top for the variety show. Oh my god, yeah, absolutely. Like, safe on the second episode makes sense, I think, but the, she definitely could have, like, won the first episode, but whatever. (laughs) Uh, And then had an amazing lip sync with, with, uh, uh, Naomi Smalls. Oh my god, yes! I don't know why that wasn't the sh- double Shantae, as opposed to the Latrice I, one. Yeah, like, it was a Latrice-centric story. <sighs> anyway, so... Um, so, Gia, like, they talk a lot on All Stars 4 about how important... Like, I mean, it's not... I don't think it's really ever RuPaul saying this, but it really is, like, the other contestants being, like it's so great that you're here. Like, it's amazing that they, you know, let you be your real self on the show and everything. Um, And, um, you know, what you're doing for trans representation is so important that you're just, like, here. Like, the fact that you just even came um, says, you know, like, it it just, like, does so much for the community. Um, And after... Gia was eliminated, she came forth to speak about how she was mistreated by RuPaul on the show. Um, None of this was shown on TV, um, obviously to make RuPaul look better, because if they showed RuPaul saying this, like, it would not look good for her, like, it would not look good for her brand, Um, even though she's said transphobic stuff, like, openly and unprovoked. Um... (laughs) So, Gia said this. She said, um, if we were going to bring somebody on the show to basically, you know, clean up somebody's mess, obviously that fell on me, right? Because months before, she had made a statement that was completely opposite of what they did, which was bringing a trans contestant on the show. And I knew by being casted that I was going on there to basically show the world that this show does quote-unquote support trans and that she does see trans people as drag queens. So for me to get there and for us to be on episode three, never have eye contact with her, never have any sort of acknowledgement of, oh, you've come so far or your journey has been so beautiful to watch or anything of that sort, I just felt really hurt. Um, And she also talked about... um, you know, being in the workroom or getting critiques from RuPaul and RuPaul being really transphobic and just saying, like, just really horrible things to her. Um, I don't have them written here, but she did mention that. So. Yep. So, like, I don't know. It's, It's kind of a challenging balance. And I think this is kind of a challenging balance for any reality competition TV show is, like, finding the balance between representation and, like, just putting someone on TV so that they can be bullied. Like, yeah. you know, like, I think that Gia is a really good example of someone who should have been, like, her 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 time on All Stars 4 really could have been more about, like, you know, all of the strides that she's made in her life, like, her drag had evolved so much, and, you know, she had learned so much about herself and things like that, and she was, like, doing really well in the competition until episode, like, three, um, and there was, you know, not really any acknowledgement of that, she didn't get any positive critiques or anything like that, um, 
And obviously she had like a really traumatic time from being on the show. Um, so like it, it really does come to a, a point where it's like, you know, are we just like putting trans people at risk by like, you know, forcing them to be on TV and say like, you know, I'm the token trans person. Um, I'm the example of, of what it is to be trans and things like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think in the case of in the case of Gia Gunn and in in Drag Race, is that she was there to clean up a mess. Yeah, for and sure. Did, like it's she's so right when she says that there was almost no mention of it. Mm-hmm. Um, frankly, because the producers probably couldn't get RuPaul too, like to do to to talk to Gia about that. Yeah, um, and to like have that as part of the story. Um, what I'm wondering now is like okay, if if they consider the mess to have been cleaned up, right? Like, G, Gia is the least they could have done, frankly. Yeah. Like, because we, all, like, All Stars, All Stars operates under the assumption that, like, we know who they are, mm-hmm. and there's excitement about seeing, like, the, these queens from different eras coming together. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So we knew Gia yeah. and we like in a way I'm I think they they tried to clean up the mess with all-stars instead of at that point it would have been season 11 yeah because they wanted us to already know the person and be comfortable with Gia previously yeah as opposed to like introducing someone new rather than actually introducing someone new Mm -hmm. which would I think they have yet to do in the two seasons after all-stars four yep and uh we're waiting yeah i think like that's something people really i think get kind of upset about like i've seen a lot of upset about people saying like you know since the guardian interview came out like okay yet another season with no trans queens like this is just another season of like a bunch of gay guys like (laughs) it's not just that though like there are no bearded queens. Like, yeah, exactly. Do that. Like, there's very little blurring of the binary. They still have the segment that's like the de-dragging mm-hmm. that they talk yep. about. Yep. Then, like, oh, we see someone as, going from girl to boy. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, as for RuPaul to be the like, we're all born naked and the rest is drag. Like, why aren't? I mean, they are going from two different, from one kind of drag to another, mm-hmm. you know? Like, it's not like we're seeing their true selves. Yeah. Yet that's how the show is built. Yeah. And I've heard, and basically where RuPaul is coming from is it's, is that the show is based on the premise of transformation mm-hmm. and that people don't believe people will, people will think the show is over or the show will fail because the show, there's so much money at stake here. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's popular as it as it, it ever has been yeah uh, winning awards and everything it, yeah. it, what's working you know that the i think there is a fear from the producers that people won't think it's a transformation to be for an afab queen to be a drag queen exactly yeah uh, and uh i think for the show it's incredibly sad to see the show that claims to be the pinnacle of you know queer celebration for it to be excluding this huge group of talented queer performers that have been at the forefront of history forever mm-hmm. and at the forefront of, of queer liberation. Yeah. Uh, 
and I sort of today like watch the show uh someone like disappointed with with where it is today I think we would have had a bearded queen by now and I think we would have had yeah. a fab performer by now absolutely um, and I think the what reality tv shows me is that uh they're they're creating a type of reality that is sellable mm. um, and frankly i think that there hasn't been a, a, a trans performer um on a non-all-star season yet because of money and because they're afraid the show will tank possibly and yeah yeah um and I think it's important to remember that, like, now that the show's on VH1, we are seeing a cash cow. Yeah. A fracking, <laughs> a fracking operation. Like, uh, and, you know, it, it kind of speaks to, like, the larger, the larger kind of struggles of living in a capitalist society, not mm-hmm. to bring it all the way up to that, to that perspective, but it is. Like, you know, um, in the same way that, uh, I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb here, but on the same way that like we enjoy meat that is commercially produced with hormones being injected with, mm-hmm. injected into it, we enjoy a kind of entertainment that uh, sacrifices a lot of its morals yeah. in order for it to be entertaining and in order for it to make money. Yeah. And like, I think you know I make that decision on a case by case basis, and in this situation, I find the queer celebration that is consistent with Drag Race, despite RuPaul, to be well worth boycotting the show. Although, um, in exchange for that, I, like, I listen to trans people's perspectives on the show. Yeah. And, like, do my best to incorporate, you know, their side of the argument into my activism. Um, Because I I think, like, to be blind to it is very different. Um, I think today there's actually a good dialogue around drag, around drag race. After the Guardian interview, I don't think, I think the majority of people watch drag race have, are watching it with the people transphobic. And we are sort of able to, to hold two truths in our hand, right? Like, as you said, that, that drag race is entertaining mm-hmm. and all the good things that we've said about it and also hosted by someone who we don't like. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I actually think that the 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 fan base that is vocal online is doing a good job of like handling both of those things. Mm-hmm. Like we don't need a complete boycott to understand, you know, what we're getting into when we turn on the episode. Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah, those are my <laughs> but I kind of privilege in like um you know, like being being able to subtract my to attract my feelings in that way, you know, like I don't identify as trans, so I don't find the show, you know, uh, traumatic or triggering in any yeah. kind of way, but I look forward to its evolution. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I mean, like, even I think the audience is a big part of it, you know, um, it would be dumb to ignore them. Like, uh, I think like if you look at how the audience of the show has evolved over time, it started with it being a show that is marketed towards and really only watched by queer people of color um, in like the first like three seasons. And those are the seasons that you see like, you know, um, queens of color winning. Like those are like the first three seasons were all won by queens of color. Um, And then seasons four through six 
are kind of it's it's shown to a wider audience um and the queens are white and that win and and things like that and that's when you get the idea of like the future of drag and things like that um and then it opens up even more with season seven where you have all the instagram queens uh, like violet and pearl and miss fame and trixie and katya and everything and it's when it becomes a mainstream show like um i started watching the show actually during season eight i think um yeah wow (laughs) um and which is in retrospect one of my least favorite seasons yeah i know yeah i agree (laughs) um but it like season eight wasn't the first season that i watched though to be fair the first season i watched was season four so i got like a really good taste of it immediately um but yeah uh you know when the show like is I don't know, it's been made so mainstream that, like, they really do have to consider, like, the audience and and who is watching. And it's not just a show for, like, a small group of, you know, queer people of color who, like, get together and watch it at their house or whatever. Like, it's shown at bars. It's, you know, it is on VH1. It moved from Logo, which is, like, the queer network, like, (laughs) to VH1, which is, is, like, a a channel that's, like, centered around, like, music, (laughs) like... Um, but I don't know. But now that you mention it, though, like when it's being played in gay bars and it's mainly being being received by white gays now, yeah, and like white cis gays, or um, like straight girls, yeah, who are like, girls. oh my god, I love gay men, <laughs> and that for a lot of people is their is sort of them leaving their bubble, yeah, of like their taste of queer culture outside of their bubble, yeah, and now we're in a position where it, more people are watching it. A lot of people who didn't follow it from the beginning, uh, you know, the fan base has evolved. The fan base has become more vocal and uh, there's a lot more racism in the fan base. And like, there's a lot of transphobia within the fan base towards people in the show. Like, uh, I, I think maybe, I don't know how, you know, relevant this is, but I think a lot of things are sacrificed when... Uh, when, that the show has become so big um and frankly the ideas within the show uh of you know existing such a persistent existence and like reliance on the binary that's still in the show today are used to, to judge drag performers in like in real time now oh like, absolutely you know like now people i think people people's only exposure to drag is direct competition and uh in sit the sid's male perspective of drag but like people who watch drag race and think that they know drag go to bars and are judging them with the same criteria yeah they're like oh my god why aren't why don't you you know look like this or why do you perform to this music or you know why don't you wear so stuff that's like expensive runway stuff like you know (laughs) frankly it's a shame and like the show has done their most to counter that. You know, like we had Evie Oddly as the winner, mm-hmm. who's a little weird, you know? Yeah. A little weird, but in a very clean way. Yeah. But almost no performer has gone full. Can I can I use curse words? Sure. Like, no performer has fully gone gender fuck. Yeah. It, at least consistently throughout the, you know, like mm-hmm. they might have like slightly gender fuck uh, uh, challenge or runway, but, you know, nowhere is a club kid allowed to be 
consistently a club kit, they are expected to glam up at the end of the day. Yeah, I think um, I think one of the only examples that comes to mind for me of someone who was able to kind of blur the gender binary in in and out of drag was Crystal on the UK season, mm. um, because she had a hairy chest. Um, that she very like dis- like she displayed it in drag like she contoured boobs like over her hairy tre- her hairy yeah. chest and everything um, and RuPaul would frequently ask her like why do you not shave your chest and things like that and she's like oh you know I like to fuck with people's minds like make yeah. them think like oh she's a beautiful woman and then oh I got a hairy chest <laughs> like guess Can what like you know yeah like <laughs> um, that's true so but but like. The fact that that was, like, I don't know, the UK season, like, felt so detached from, like, Drag Race proper. Like, it felt like a different kind of, it just felt like a different show, you know? know, Like me, it felt felt like not just, you know, not just the outlier, but it it felt to me like a fresh start. Oh my god, it was so good. (laughs) I am so ready for UK number two. Yeah. Like... It's gonna be great. Yeah, and I mean, like, wouldn't it be weird if the UK version of the show ended up being the more inclusive version of the show? Um, so, something that, like, kind of the last thing I want to touch on for Drag Race is that very recently, I think it was even, like, this last week, uh, Michelle Visage, who is, like, the consistent judge on Drag Race besides RuPaul, obviously, um, she said that she would love to have a show that's basically Drag Race, but it's only, like, AFAB contestants. Um, it's only, like, you know, uh, queens who are, like, women, like, uh, drag kings, probably, like, trans queens as well. Um, you know, and she, she, like, really spoke about how, like, she wishes there was more representation like that on Drag Race. Um, And a lot of people think that it's, like, a really good idea because obviously it would showcase, like, you know, all of these other perspectives of drag and people who would never be considered to be on Drag Race. Um, However, a lot of people think that it shouldn't be a separate show. It should just be part of Drag Race because Drag Race, like, is the drag competition. And, like, you know, there are other drag competition shows, but it none of them have reached the success of Drag Race. Like, you know, Drag Race is one of the most popular shows for, like, everybody. Like, e- like so many people watch Drag Race. Um, you know, not even people who are... It's not just gay people. It's not just trans people. It is, like, including, like, cis straight girls and, like, you know, even, like, men who get their life watching <laughs> drag or something. Like, you know. Um, yeah, and so, like... Um, you know, I, I kind of agree that I think that they should just really try to be more inclusive of, um, diverse identities and genders as opposed to making a separate show that's, like, just for, like, you know, like, if, if Michelle is so, like, adamant on this issue, on this topic, like, why would she not just tell RuPaul, like, hey, maybe you should have, like, a trans woman compete. Maybe you should have, like, an AFAB drag queen, like, be on the show. Like, Because I think RuPaul still believes these views. Yeah. Frankly. And, like, I, yeah. While I respect Michelle coming out and being inclusive for AFAB 
gender non-conforming drag kings i find the idea of a separate show to just be rancid yeah it's so upsetting i mean the idea that they would have to make number one it's the the idea of like it's like a kid's table that you know they have to have their own separate competition excludes the fact that almost all including rupaul all of these drag queens that have been featured on drag race prior have worked with gender non-conforming people Mm -hmm. drag queens and have built their success off the back of people who were now excluded from the show. Yep. It's so upsetting to hear, to, to, to even consider the idea that the current empire of Drag Race, uh, that there's sort of an idea between Michelle Visage, RuPaul, and VH that, that the current the current thing is it's so broke don't fix it you know like or sorry it's like if it's you know if it ain't broke don't fix it like it's almost like they're trying to protect their baby yeah and like that they imagine that adding uh all these other kinds of performers would taint what's good about drag race mm-hmm. um and it's not that it would taint what's good about drag race they're currently drag race isn't like is the best it can be because they are currently excluding what's the what's great about drag yeah right now and like i it's i i hate the idea i am used to the bs that michelle visage views <laughs> on her podcast with rupaul anyways so it doesn't surprise me um and like i i don't know it it, it makes me really angry and it's transphobic. Um, and I wish we could give the drag race to someone else. Yeah, I agree. Like, um, you know, there's, I think there's a lot of, like, conversation about should RuPaul even, like, remain the host, like, after all of these years? And, like, can you really remove RuPaul from RuPaul's drag race? Like, and there's, like, I mean, like, I think so. Like, <laughs> You know, like like I said earlier, America's Next Top Model like removed Tyra from the equation, even though it was technically like her show, um, yeah. and they replaced her with Rita Ora, who's not a model, and like surprisingly, the season was considered like not that bad. Like, um, so I think like maybe it's time to kind of switch over from RuPaul if she has these super outdated beliefs like she's definitely not as relevant as she used to be I don't think that she's like you know she's not like the image I think of when I think like drag like she she has so many like pretty much anti-drag beliefs like that she you know that the fact she won't perform in drag unless she's being paid she won't even appear in drag if she's being if she's not being paid um, you know, like, that goes against, like, what the point of drag is, which is, like, you know, to have fun with it. Like, yeah. you know, she doesn't even do her makeup. Like, <laughs> She's such a cash cow at this point. Yeah. I don't know if she'll ever give it over. I mean, I think there's, it, I, we should, we should let the show evolve. And I think one day RuPaul might give it up, frankly. Like, I think one day, uh, I, I don't imagine the world without Drag Race. Like, no. Like, I, I think 
one day RuPaul's just gonna get tired and you know it'll be Asia O'Hara's drag race and oh my god I wish <laughs> like I I I don't know. I'm, I would love to I, see someone like Alaska host or like, yeah. or like, um, Shangela or, you know, somebody who I think would do a much better job of including more drag. And I mean, that's not to say that like the show doesn't do a good job of showing diverse drag. I just don't think it's diverse enough for where yeah. we are now. Like, you know, if you compare it to like, I don't know if you've seen Dragula at all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Dragula is kind of like the counter example to Drag Race. Like it is so much more progressive. It's had like AFAB people on it. It's had... um, A Drag King won, right? Yeah. A Drag King won this most recent season and he fucking killed it. Like he... Oh my God. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And they had like a non-binary drag artist as well this this last year. I mean, there Which was are great, non-binary like, people on Drag Race. They just don't let us know. Exactly. That's that's so, like, that's such a big issue is, like, they don't respect people's pronouns. I know that, like, Aja is, uh, like, non-binary. I know Jinx is non-binary. I know Violet is non-binary. And none of them have their pronouns respected. They're all referred to as she- like, which I guess it's one thing if you're in drag or something, but it really, you know, like, they don't even give them a space to be, like, I'm non-binary and this is my perspective on, on this issue or, or anything like that. Like, it's just, I'm a gay man. Like, they're just all assumed to be gay men, you know, which is really dangerous. And, like, it, like even after the, the show, like, after they finish filming and after the sh- the queens, like, the season ends mm-hmm. they're all in this really difficult position where they have to defend rupaul yeah if they want to like have a chance of being on all stars yep. or touring you know or like, like the way that the finale is set up now that there's so much time between filming of the show and the filming of the finale they can't you know say anything bad about her in the middle of that time if they want to win like if they're in yeah. that in that final four three two whatever like you can't say oh i you know i completely do not stand by xyz thing that rupaul said um and i you know i i think that it was bad or whatever like you can't say that because <laughs> she has the check for a hundred thousand dollars like exactly she's you know, in power like, yeah and that's what's dangerous is the person in power is the transphobic person yeah and like i don't know i'm just waiting for them to go like and the queens that do speak against the transphobia um either are transgender and like have to essentially if they go on the show like Gia Gunn if they mm-hmm. go on Oscars again they have to like endure abuse just, like <laughs> literally abuse and, yeah. um or they have to do it incredibly indirectly like Sasha does um like in her shows where she just like rather than speaking specifically about it she has to like she just like fills her shows mm-hmm. with with like non-binary fat performers um yeah uh oh, yeah yeah so uh yeah uh it's a complicated thing this is the one thing i didn't include on the outline because i want your genuine reaction to it <laughs> and okay. this like just so you know it's probably gonna be like upsetting <laughs> so oh, no. Um, it is a, another show that I 
found when doing some research for this podcast. Um, and I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's called There's Something About Miriam. Have you heard of this? No. no. Okay. So this was a show that had one season. It premiered in 2004. And it was a dating competition show where six men tried to woo the Mexican model Miriam Rivera and win $10,000. And none of the men are told that Miriam is transgender until the final episode when she selects a winner. So she has to come out to all of them. Um, and they've this whole season, they've been, you know, trying to kiss her and trying to you know impress her and go on dates with her and things like that um and so after she comes out to these six men and the whole world because it's on tv um all of the men start laughing they start teasing the winner for you know like uh quote unquote like kissing a man and stuff like that um and the the winner looks super flustered he looks really embarrassed um, initially he accepted the prize because he was really pressured because he was on TV. Um, but af- after the show had finished like editing and wrapping everything, um, he joined the other five men in constructing a lawsuit to prevent the show from airing um, because they they like didn't want the show to be aired because they... Uh, you know, didn't want people thinking, like, they were gay, for one thing, or if that they, you know, like, that they would interact with a trans person, I guess. It was just, like, the most heinous idea to them. I don't know. Um, But, yeah, anyway, this show was a huge flop. It did really, really badly. It did actually go on air, despite these six men being, like, this was super exploitive, like, of me and, like, these other people. You know, they... You know, it's really not good. Um, So, and it's clear, like, on the show from, like, what I saw. I only watched the scene where she comes out um, because that's really, I guess, all you really need to know. Um, And it's clear that she wasn't thought of as a woman at all um, because, from what I read, uh, casting agents were instructed to not refer to her as a woman when finding contestants, like, they specifically told people, like, oh, you'll go on an adventure of a lifetime, or, like, oh, you'll meet somebody really nice. They never said, like, a man or a woman. But, like, other shows, like The Bachelor, might recruit people by being, like, want to be on The Bachelor and compete to be with a man. Um, And then when Miriam actually comes out, the way that she comes out is that she says she's not a woman. She says she was born a man. Um, Which is, like, really discrediting to trans people obviously who like you know fight their whole lives to be recognized as like the gender they they feel inside you know um and so yeah it was just like a really bad show like just a really bad really bad time um and unfortunately about a year ago miriam was found dead in her apartment um and it was ruled a suicide uh, though her husband believes that she was murdered. Um, so, yeah, and I mean, like, obviously suicide and murder are both, like, issues that really, really impact trans people. Um, so it's not clear if, you know, if she was, um, if she did end up, like, killing herself, um, because of the show, because it had happened 15 years 
prior or if she was just you know dealing with like the inner conflict of being a trans person that like so many people like so many trans people like they do end up um attempting or committing suicide just because of like you know how they feel and how they're not accepted by the world and and things like that um so it's just like a really awful situation um this show is considered like just one of the most atrocious things like ever to happen on reality tv um and i agree like i think it's i think it's awful um that that they used her as a device to market a reality dating competition like that's that's nuts um and in 2007 um there was another show called trans american love story which used the same concept of men vying for a trans woman except the contestants knew that she was trans and it was the first time ever that um there was a reality tv show where it was a bunch of cis men competing for a trans woman to like pick them um so it was actually like considered like a good show it was consensual yeah yeah i think that's a that's a lot of it is that like you know the like the men on there's something about miriam like obviously they had no idea and they thought that she was you know a cis woman um and everything and it it wasn't clear um you know how much she had transitioned but she she fully passed like you know she just looked like a normal mexican model like gorgeous um so and i don't know like just a very upsetting show so what are your thoughts on that (laughs) that it's horrible that uh i think the people at fault are the people who put the show together yeah definitely (laughs) i think um it's uh you also can't you can't put trans people through that grief and that trauma yeah incredibly traumatic i mean she ended up either killing herself or getting murdered yeah. like, like within 15 years like i mean frankly like I, and i'm sure they weren't thinking about her feelings mm-hmm. um and also like you can't ask a ton of people to like i, I mean i don't know i don't know like because they didn't know her gender whether that was like non-consensual but they were certainly like tricked you like if (laughs) you i I think it's incredibly irresponsible to not think that like someone a a whole group of people would be transphobic in that way like like did you really think nothing was gonna happen yeah like i don't know what they were expecting like yeah like putting these you know cis straight guys who you know, clearly were super uneducated about it because they immediately started laughing when she came out, which, like, coming out is, like, one of the most important moments, like, of an LGBT person's life. Like, you know, it's, like, one of the hardest things you'll ever go through in your whole life. Um, and, uh, you know, they're all laughing and stuff. I don't know what they expected. Like, did they think that at the end of all of this, they would be okay with you know, someone, like, not just someone, but, like, a whole group of people who are producing a show to, like, completely deceive them, like, 
you know, did they think that that would just be like, oh yeah, like, yes, I'll go on a date with her. Like, (laughs) she seemed really cool. Like, after all of this, like, you know, and... How naive for those people to live in a world where they think, where they thought that, uh, like, that trans... transphobia would not exist between the yeah i know <laughs> like how naive and how destructive to like put a person at that level of risk mm-hmm. like it's not worth the money that you'll make off this like chicken shit tv show yeah and i mean they only could have one season of it because it did so poorly and uh, because people yeah. realized that it was so bad um and yeah i mean it's considered like one of the worst flops in like reality tv history for like a good reason like um that after this after this virus none of the people ever have any careers again (laughs) i agree um it's a horrible idea it's so manipulative it's so exploitive and like you can argue the politics of like were the man tricked is what like but at the end of the day their people were hurt it was exploitive yeah harmful not worth the tv no um and to just to just allow like a trans woman to be a joke like that like that she's like a reveal at the end of a show yeah it felt like a punchline like oh god yeah yeah and yeah just like super exploitive um i don't really know why she would agree to doing something like that it was probably um she probably felt like she needed exposure of some kind if she was a model, you know. There's a lot to um, gain from being on television. What? There's a lot to gain. There's so much to gain from being on television. <laughs> That's true. Like But there's a lot to lose from being on television as well. Very true. Yeah. So you know, like but, that's you know, that's I think a big part of this whole conversation is like the loss and the gain of of going on TV and representing a community that is so like pushed away and pushed down. Uh, and silenced and ignored and things like that you know being pretty much being like the spokesperson for a whole community is a lot and like you know so if we don't see like perfect trans representation of like the little that we see like you know what what image does that give you know yeah i mean like we there's so little trans the, the the trans representation we see on tv is so often like surrounded by trauma or grief mm-hmm. um i think pose is one of the first times where like the series opens and it's about like queer indulgence and yeah. like you know like, like just queer uh, cult just rich with queer culture yeah yeah like but so like it's it's after this conversation it's very clear to me that like we you know reality tv is meant to reflect it show a type of reality because it's yeah. not like a direct translation of like reality mm-hmm. to, that we have in our all our, our own lives but like it's to reflect back to us the fascination the key fascination that all people have with humans you know like we are all fascinated with what regular people do in crazy situations and that's what reality tv is yeah um and like be, the the thrill of being able to like uh, the, us like the average Joe can now be cannot be a fly on the wall. Yeah. Um. Whether it's competition based or not, it this this conversation has sort of showed to me how far, um, like trans representation outside of fiction has to come. That yeah. like people 
like maybe it's just reality tv so far behind because of the dollar signs surrounding it but that <laughs> there is so people are so or maybe networks perceive the public to be unequipped with handling trans people as part of their reality yeah um and i am ready for a trans reality tv show now it'd be great I, and i mean like it and i think that it it would be really cool to see something that's not exploitive of trans people but just a show that i don't know shows like our everyday lives and things like that yeah. you know like just like going to the store like you know like this is a trans person like going to i don't know the batting cages or something <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. you know like I think there's some gender non-conforming people uh, in some reality TV. Like, mm -hmm. I'm thinking of, um, what's it? Was it? No, I'm totally wrong. There's, like, a famous football, there's a famous basketball player mm -hmm. whose child is... Oh, Dwayne Wade. Yes. Yeah. Wait, no, 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 no. Someone else. Is it Magic Johnson? No, it's Dwayne Wade. No, but there's someone else. There's, like, another basketball star. I know Dwayne Wade's daughter i know who you're talking about out. but there's someone else who's slightly older i'm gonna look it um, up uh, it's like on a reality show and it's like oh great like they're non-binary but um that's like it's like not a competition series oh gosh i don't know yeah the the only one i know is Dwayne wade <laughs> who's Dwayne wade, uh the daughter just came out um as trans recently um and he's been he and i think he's he's married to like gabrielle union right um so like they've both been really supportive of her um and like i know they went to like a gala like recently for some nba whatever i think and they all wore um colors of the genderqueer flag Aww. um kind of like color blocked um and it was, like, really cool to see, um, you know, this huge basketball star, like, who I would associate with, like, toxic hyper-masculinity and, you know, yeah. like, um, just being, like, fully supportive of his child. Like, we love to see it. Yeah, it's great. Really cool. <laughs> yeah. All right. Do you have anything else to say before we wrap up? This was fun. Yeah, this was fun. It was like two and a half hours of talking about reality Are TV. Are you serious? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I've never listened to a two and a half hour podcast. Well, I'm definitely going to edit it a lot. <laughs> like yeah, this part will probably be edited out. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much for talking with me. Of course. Um, yeah. I hope you have a great day. I hope that you don't get coronavirus. <laughs> I'm scared. I have asthma, so if I get it, I'm in trouble. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm cooped up inside. Yeah, my whole family has been um, self-quarantining. Like, yeah. we, I haven't left the house in, like, two weeks, so. Yeah, it's scary. Yep. I've been playing with makeup, and I've decided to to grow my hair back. So oh! I'm going to grow my hair to my butt while I'm inside. Oh, my God. Continue to make cookies. That's a goal right there. <laughs> All well, right. God bless you. I'm I'm in the uh, I'm in stores as well. So. Oh my god. Yeah. 
So I'm, I'm I would say let's hang out, but we shouldn't. <laughs> this is this is how we hang out. Yeah. What we just hanging out. Yep. But I, uh, I, I was gonna say I I I have I'm experiencing the same weather as you. Oh so. yeah, it's gross out. <laughs> yeah, Na- nasty but cozy. Nasty but yeah. cozy. Yeah, definitely a good day to be inside. Yeah, <laughs> a good day to talk about Drag Race. I'm gonna, oh. I think I don't know. I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna finish season five and then go rewatch nine. Season five is my favorite season. It's the best season. Well, I think it's like, for me, frankly, for me, frankly, (laughs) it's like five, then nine, then six, then UK. UK is so good. UK is like, yeah, definitely in my like top five, I would say. Like for me, like for me, like, oh, what? I don't know. I would say, yeah, season five clearly my favorite like far and away it has the Alyssa coco like drama it has relaska talks versus jinx which is the best it has the best challenges it is the best runways it has like the best untucked like the peak of untucked like yeah. uh, the the untucked for snatch game that's just Alyssa, jade and coco like over there. I, 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 the next episode dr- wait the episode after the children's tv show is snatch game no what? No. It's not? I don't think so. <laughs> After Monica Beverly Hills goes home. Yeah, I think a few people go home between her and Snatch oh, okay. Game. Snatch Game's usually, like, towards the middle, because they usually have, like, oh. eight, se- like, it's usually, like, seven to nine people. Is, is, does Vivian, is Vivian Panay, is she about to go? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's the next episode, I think, is the Black Swan, Why It Gotta Be Black episode that Alyssa wins. Yeah. <laughs> um, Alyssa wins? Alyssa wins that one. Oh, that's so exciting. And then the episode after that is Snatch Game. Yeah. Because okay, so Alyssa was episodes. safe because of that episode, and she wasn't in the bottom two for her Katy Perry. <laughs> oh, go, Alyssa! <laughs> Um, yeah, I would put season five at number one. I think season four is my second favorite because it's just, yeah. oh, like, this is a biscuit. um, and then I think after that, I would probably say season, maybe season like two. Mm. I love season two. <laughs> um, and then I'd probably I'd probably put everybody. UK after that. What? Tyra versus everyone. Oh my god. <laughs> Did you see that she like quit drag? No. Oh my god. Yeah, she like deleted all of well, I guess I should say he deleted all of his uh stuff off of Instagram. Um, like changed his name on Instagram to King Tyra Sanchez. Um Alright. And the vixen commented on his first post, uh, being like, oh, like, work mother or something, and, like, and Tyra responded being like, father, she is no more, like, don't call me a woman, and, like, all this stuff. Um, Leave it to the vixen. So, yeah, like, Tyra just, like, there's no pictures of him, like, in drag, it's all just, like, pictures wearing, like, streetwear in London or something, like... Right. having like hair I don't know <laughs> like, so well, <laughs> work dish we'll like, <laughs> um, yeah alright well I think this was a really constructive 
discussion um, yeah, <laughs> of trans people on reality TV. I really <laughs> liked it. Thank you so much for being the first guest on my podcast. Of course. Um. Yeah, and hopefully I'll see you again in life ever. <laughs> in the ditch sphere. Yeah. Graduation. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. See you in October. <laughs> see ya. If we still have our Earth. Oh my god, yeah. That's true. If anyone survives. <laughs> if anyone, if honestly, yeah. All, All right. right. Well, bye. <laughs>